And I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. This podcast is all about the adventures that Danielle and I have as dance teachers and choreographers living here in New York City. We'll be sharing our experiences and all the ridiculous and hilarious truths. With that being said, let's get into today's topic. Muscle memory and talking and dealing with press. So muscle, so once again, this totally stole this idea from uh, Tiny Pretty Things, which is on Netflix. Go watch it. It's amazing. Um, But one of the top one of the opening monologues which we mentioned in last week's episode is that uh they talk about muscle memory and how once movement is ingrained in your body your brain kind of shuts off or goes elsewhere and your body's still moving um and i thought the reason why i thought this would be a cool topic to discuss is because this is such a such a very real thing that normal people and i say normal people because they're not dancers normal people think that it's not real when we talk about it and then dancers i often think we take for granted our muscle memory or we don't understand our muscle memory completely um which is why i kind of want to start talking about muscle memory because yeah like i just think it's a topic that doesn't it gets downplayed a lot when i think it's the saving grace of a lot of our careers and or downfalls of a lot a lot of careers yeah I mean, absolutely. I mean, you know, they say this in this monologue of tiny, of tiny, pretty things, um, where she talks about how like, you know, walking is muscle memory. Like we learn how to walk as babies, but now when you go to walk, you don't think about like, okay, I got to put one foot in front of the other. Okay. Then I got to do this. Okay. I need to bend my knee. You just do it. All of those types of things are muscle memory, right? Like riding a bike. Riding a bike. It's like, why people going, will go through major car accidents and have like head trauma and still remember how to ride a bike. Cause it's one of those yeah. things the muscles just know how to do. Oh my gosh. I, this is like, so this is, so like when I was 16, I got in a terrible car accident. I was fine, but total the car definitely like damaged my psyche. I was like, I can never drive again. And I ended up going a long time without driving. Didn't have a license for a long time. And got my license later, years and years and years later. And before I got it, I was like, I, I want to take driver's ed again because I don't trust myself to just go do like a road test. And I think it's important. And I remember the first day, you know, I told the driving instructor the whole story. This is what it was. I did driver's ed. I used to drive. I got in this car accident. I didn't drive for a really long time. Blah, 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 blah. And I remember she was like, we were on a really busy street. And she, the car was um, pulled into like a side spot and she was like, okay, pull out. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, like pull out and drive down to the next light. And I was like, I haven't driven in years. She's like, you're fine. Just pull out and drive to the next light. And I did it. And it was fine because it literally is muscle memory. Like your body's like, I remember what to press. I remember what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, like everyone has it, but I agree. I feel like non-dancers sometimes like forget, right? Or they're like stunned. Oh my God, how did you remember how to do all that choreography? We all have muscle memory. We um, do. We all have muscle yeah. memory. And a part of, and this is something I remember in college. And this is actually a question that comes up a lot when you're dealing with uh, young dancers or new dancers or what have you. And especially in this social media age, dancers are very quick to record a combination instead of letting Mm -hmm. their bodies naturally do what they do yes 
and you know, I've noticed that so much. Like you and I have been in class before where we've seen yeah. people ask and also not ask, and then usually get in trouble when they don't ask Absolutely. about just recording, recording the combo. And I'm like, that's when you're on the side and you're doing it like minimally to get it in your body. And then you go to do it, right? You don't need to record it and then watch it. And your body just needs to do it. And well, this is, I mean, man versus technology. This is one of those moments where I'm like, muscle memory comes from, wait, I have the definition. I pulled it up because it's a part of it. Muscle memory is a form of procedural memory that involves con uh, consolidating a specific motor task into memory through repetition, which has been synonymous with motor learning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's repetition is a huge part of muscle memory and so like in class like i said me and daniel grip it's normal to stand on the side and you kind of mark the movements as you're going yes. through so you know can you you can do it for your body or remember or if you're like me you're learning that you're practicing the left side because that's gonna be your side regardless of what you do mm -hmm. um so like but you're practicing the moves on the side but to see someone immediately jump to a camera so i can like record it you deny your body's natural muscle memory to kind of kick in Mm -hmm. you no, know, because especially depending on the class that you're taking or depending on the style or choreographer that you're taking, typically choreographers and styles stay within the same wheelhouse. So if I'm in a uh, Horton, uh, Horton modern class, we know the Horton vocabulary. Yes, this choreographer mm -hmm. might do something different, but it was many moons ago, but I trained in Horton enough to where my body's going to remember some of these aspects of it that I don't have to work as hard on those parts. Mm -hmm. And it really is like a, a wonderful and magical thing when you like haven't taken a specific style in a while and your body just like the teacher, or the choreographer says the name of the step and you know, your body knows exactly what to do, mm -hmm. you know? So there's really that transference of like hearing the name of it and your body immediately knows what to do. And it's a really wonderful thing. And, you know, of course, some people might be better at recalling things than others, but everyone has muscle memory. And so I agree with you in the terms, in the sense of, I do think it's like, it's something that like we as dancers don't talk a lot about, but it really okay. is all about muscle memory. And part of that too, is like, think about like a ballet class, for example, a bar, you do the same series of warmups at bar in the same sequence every single class. So you're, yes, you're doing that because you're warming up specific parts and muscles of your body, you know, in a certain order so you don't injure yourself. But part of that too is it's muscle memory. It's so that when I come into class, even if the combination is different, I know exactly what my body knows exactly what to do so we can get ready to move on. Um, or alignment issues. Like that's part of the reason why like, They'll, that's why we're such a big proponent of learning correctly the first time is yes. because like the alignment that you learn at bar in particular translate to when there is no bar you know yeah. or like uh like I know it's a big and it shouldn't be controversial but like when it comes to the ballet bar itself a lot of people don't like physical bars because you're not supposed to actually grip the bar yeah just lightly so yeah. like I've taken a class where like it wasn't a bar, it was like a shelf. Like it was a 90 yeah. degree angle. So you would try to grip yeah. it and there would be nothing there. But that forced us all to like focus more on what we were doing to keep ourselves aligned. And so when we got to center, I I remember this one class where I was like, oh, I'm stacked up a lot better because I'm not all class I've had to be stacked up versus right. I didn't really align myself until we got to center like normal. 
And it's also like you and I were just saying, like why you and I are super big on learning correctly the first time is, you know, and, and sometimes it's, it's no one's fault. Sometimes like certain instructors and, and teachers just don't know because they were trained a certain way and it's a trickle down effect. But the way that your body is taught a step is the way that your muscle is going to be conditioned to do it and remember it. And so it's really hard as you become an older dancer and by older I mean like past the eight past puberty right as you continue on into like high school and college and professional and beyond it's really hard to break you know you'll hear all the time oh you need to break that habit or it's or like they can't or it's really hard to break their habits what that really means is your habit is the muscle memory that your body knows how to do from being trained and taught a certain way And unfortunately, sometimes it's not a great way, right? It's not a healthy way or a correct way, right? And so therefore, that is your muscle memory. And that is your quote, unquote, bad habit. Um, Which is, yeah, it's super, it's super important that you, like, you know, I'm thinking about like, if you have kids, and you're like, oh, my daughter, my son, whoever wants to go to a dance school, I'm trying to find a cool studio, or we think it's time to switch studios. It's really, Really, you know, if you're not a dancer, it's harder to tell, obviously, but it is important to try to like get a feel of the studio, like have your kid participate in a class, watch a class, go see a performance, see if it if it looks like they're teaching their kids technically correct and alignment correctly and everything, because um, it, it really, you know, it's not a habit in terms of like, I keep doing it because this is what I do. It's a habit because it's, that's what your body knows. That's how your body has been you know sculpted basically and I I think I've talked about him before on the show but a friend that I I danced with in college started as an ice skater um so he had plenty of flexibility but the big thing was in his turns he was taught to turn flat foot because on figure skates you do turn flat foot well and again there are some studios out there that still teach this and I will fight you tooth and nail on this every time I see it I, you do not turn flat foot because there's the potential to tear all of the muscles below your knees. So just, that's just the blanket. You can, we can get into the details later, but he was, he learned to turn flat foot. So when he was learning pirouettes, he could spin all day, which is what's happening when you're flat foot, but that's not a turn. That's not a controlled turn that you can articulate and do different variations with. And so mm-hmm. I remember the struggle he went for almost for like a year, honestly. I don't even think it was a semester. Like he went through like a year of like his muscles always reverting back to turning flat. So he would mm-hmm. be perfectly aligned, go up onto releve and, you know, push off into a great turn. But once he started, once he got past like a double, he would like, you would see the muscles kind of like jerk down and he would have to like fight to remember to hold them up. Or like we would be doing combos and his brain, like if his brain went to any other part of the combination or whatever, he would instantly revert back to those kind of habits yeah. and muscle memory from ice skating. And it was I such mean, a it, challenge for him to just change, change his thinking on it. It really, it really is like retraining your brain though, because when you're, when we, you know, we talked about earlier, muscle memory is something where your body just takes over. So when you're trying to break quote-unquote break a bad habit you are really have to use your brain a lot you have to really focus on thinking and all of that um that's also why like kind of side note but I hate those you know those like turning 
like they're like circles. They're like not the big ones. They're like the little pads that yes. like you'll see you'll see like kids and a lot of competition kids use now where they're like they'll Damn. step on it and it's like this rotating. It's like this rotating pad thing that that helps you to turn. But if you watch it, usually a lot of kids or dancers who use them are not all the way up on releve because the pad is what is turning you. Your momentum and acceleration is not turning yourself. You're spinning. You're not turning, you're spinning. You're and spin the, exactly. And like I said, I in particular, as we know, jazz is my favorite. Within jazz, you have so many different types of pirouettes or turns. And when you're used to just spinning, you lose the ability to articulate those turns. So a compass or drag turn into a pirouette or out of a pirouette into a compass drag or out of a pirouette into a calypso, like all of the above, they all are a lot harder to achieve when you're just used to just spinning around or not controlling your momentum. Like that's mm -hmm. another thing that I I vividly remember is doing quarter turn pirouettes. And I was like, why are we doing mm -hmm. this? And it was simply, Absolutely. it was just like, she was like, you, and she, my, I remember my dancer telling me, she's like, you have enough power to get around like six times, but if things aren't aligned and right, you'll get around and you'll fall out of them every single time. And I hated it as I was training, but now in the professional world, if you fall out of a turn, it doesn't count to me. I'm the epitome of like, you fell out yeah. of a turn, it doesn't exist, terrible on you. So like, I, I want the turns that can be landed. And a lot of times when you spin, again, you don't, you fall out of the turn or you just tear those, again, you're young, so your body covers it. But as you get older and want a career, you end up tearing these muscles that you need, you know? Yeah. So like, I just can't, it, it's, it just goes against the body, which again, muscle. Yeah. I mean, and it, listen, I've never used a turning disc. They could be good for certain things. However, what we are trying to say here is, again, it all goes back to muscle memory. So if yes. you're learning how to turn, which is really spinning, on a spinning disc, when you take that disc away, what is going to happen? Because your muscles are moving in a certain, used to moving in a certain way. Um, but I think that it is, it is something very interesting because I feel like as dancers, we are taught about it and know about it, but we don't really understand the gravity and the depth of how it affects our dancing, our alignment, our technique, yes. our ability to pull off a combination until we understand like our relationship with our muscle memory and how it works. Um, and, yeah. And I think, and like, it's one of those things of like, the only way to improve your muscle memory or remembering the combo. I think this is another, that's another part where it gets kind of masked as dancers and we don't talk about it. We just think, oh, I can never remember the combo. I can never remember what comes next. I need to write it down or I need to, you know, record myself. No, you need to do it a million times yep. so your body remembers it. Yep. Because the thing of it is, when you get into these professional auditions or professional rehearsals, we've talked about this again. You don't actually rehearse very long for most professional yep. shows. There's and just I not always say, time. like, no. And I always say, like, the best thing to do, like, when I'm choreographing a show, I always say, like, because I've been in that situation before where I've been in a rehearsal and dance, we like learn part of a combo or, you know, part of a whatever in a dance. And I'll have someone go, oh, okay, I got to go write it down. And I'm always like, stop. I will give you time at the end of rehearsal uh -huh. or the end of learning this dance for you to write it down. Because I also do believe that when you write it down, that's another way of remembering things, right? Like that, that has been proven. 
But what we need to do first is get it in your body. And that's also like a term you hear a lot in dance is like, you need to get it in, in yes. your body. It literally is because you need those muscles to start to remember what we are doing. And then from there, you can go and write it down so your brain can remember what it is. Um, and it's, but I, I agree with you. I'm always like, we're going to learn it first. We're going to yes. practice it, get it in your body. And then I will give you time to go write it down for you to practice I, on. I'm the same way, even with videos. Cause like a lot of times I am in a lot like by the seat of our pants rehearsals where we're cranking out choreo, we're running it. It looks good. Cool. We'll clean up the next rehearsal. And then in like the last five minutes, I was like, okay, I, I need to record it for choreographic purposes so I can show the sure. rest of the team that's not here. So I am going to record this. And some of the dancers are like, well, can we get recordings too? Or can we get a copy of it? And I'm always, I'm always hesitant to give them that copy of it because I'm like, you're... I don't want you to learn from that video because one, it's probably a mistake because it's a video that we cranked out really quickly. Mm -hmm. And so there's probably some wrong things in there. But then other times I'm like, you did need that pattern or you have everything right except for this one section. You can learn it in a video so I don't have to go back and rehearsal. So there's a slight like 5% chance that, you know, recording it, writing it down, those are other methods that can be useful. But we as dancers have to listen to our bodies and if yeah. your body's not retaining it they are again you're either not doing it enough which is probably the real thing we talked about this on the master class one like they say it takes ten thousand hours to be like a hundred thousand or something hours to become a master so go practice mm -hmm. like you gotta do it more you have yeah. to do more that's the absolutely. only way to improve is to i mean Absolutely. Absolutely. You, that's why we continue to take technique classes and why we continue to do the same movements and exercises mm -hmm. over and over and over in technique classes, no matter what, you know, how advanced you are, it's because it's muscle memory and making sure you get it in your body. I absolutely um, agree. And again, everyone has it, not just dancers. Yeah. Everyone has it. Otherwise you wouldn't be able to walk, right? You wouldn't be able to skip or run or ride a bike or drive a car so I think like, that you know, like, you know right I think that when you really think about the power that your body has you could become an even more efficient performer when you understand how your muscle memory works so I want to segue into our next kind of topic for this week's episode dealing with the press mm. so again this came from tiny pretty little things excuse me where the, the press, I shouldn't say the press, but like knowing that things are going to happen in the press was a large response to a lot of the things that happened within the school and company. And this is not so much a thing when you're at a normal studio or, or a normal training program. Yeah. However, when you are at a training program with a prestigious name attached to it, AWE2, ABT2, the Juilliard School, you know, uh, Mo Mix, um, I don't know, yeah. just the, any of the yeah. of the bigger companies, or even sometimes college programs that, like, you know, people from this college end up going to here or there. Then dealing with the press is, in fact, a real thing. Reviews do, in fact, follow people's careers, mm -hmm. and there's definitely something to be said for who is doing the review and their own biases and things like that. But it's something that we as artists, when we're training, don't, we never talk about a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think twofold. No, you cannot spend all your time, effort, and energy on reviews and dealing with the press. No. However, 
to ignore them is also can't happen. You also can't do that. I think, you know, for me, it's this idea of if you are in a bigger company like this, or maybe a specific, you know, university program that's more prestigious, or in a Broadway show or TV movie, whatever, a project that is going to, or space that is going to have press surrounded or affiliated with it. I think it's a couple of things. It's recognizing that this is now part of your job. People are going to come. They are going to review the work. It may be bad. It may be good. And like Tony said, sometimes people write certain reviews based on their own biases and you can't, you know, you got to take some with a grain of salt. And the more you work, the more, you know, who those people are, you know, what those, what those people stand for and such. I think it's this ability to be aware of it. And I think it's also the ability to um, just know that it's there and know that like, if you're in a working, working or college situation where there is some sort of press involved, you have to have a certain appearance. Now I'm not saying you need to go and change yourself, but I think like, you know, I think about like my boss will always say to me like, oh, Danielle, you're so like calm, cool and collected. And you like, think about, think about things before you speak. And like, you always like listen to what we say first, AKA I take the fucking note. And then you like try it and come back with something if it's not a thing, right? And I'm like, but part of that is like, part of that was growing up in dance. And part of that was like, you, you start to learn how to respond to people and how to speak to people and who you want to look like in a certain way. And you just start to understand that like, I can be myself, but I can also like be myself in a way that is pr- productive. For or, me, you know what I mean? Yes, I do think it is that because for me, the thing is like, and I think this started because I started working with just a lot of my career has always been around dealing with children. And then so segueing into the when you're dealing with children, the thing that I always tell people when I'm training them or they're working with children is that like, if you freak out a parent, you're dealing with their most precious thing in the world. If you freak out a parent, there are ramifications to that that we may never understand for years to come. So that's just a no. You don't want to freak out a parent when you're dealing with their child. And then so that to me, when you start getting to the big professional game, I have a producer that's literally, I'm directing a show where there's several thousand dollars on the line. Mm-hmm. you know or I'm choreographing mm-hmm. bodies with several thousand dollars on the line you know like and it hopefully to get to millions of dollars on the line you know but like when that's the case you can't go in and be reckless you know and and scare everyone you know or the uh a prime example of that is the musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark oh yeah there was such controversy about that musical like turnover and you 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 can go back and read the articles injuries people falling on things like oh my god like it was just such controversy that everyone us all of the creative team associated with that show like just got a bad rap for a while Mm -hmm. and a lot of them are still managing that now years later Mm -hmm. just because that controversy made other produce like let's be clear they like were in pre they never well take it back they did eventually open but they like they lost so much money in previews that like they had to keep being in previews like they couldn't they could never shut the show down because they'd already shelled out so much money so basically and then they kept redesigning the show so the producers were losing money after money so like that creative team burn those producers those producers will never touch them again because they Mm -hmm. lost thousands of dollars and they did not recoup 
No, they did not. It was a terrible experience. And I also think about, oh, sorry, continue. No, I was just going to say, so when that's the thing that I have to do with when I'm sitting down with the producer and the press, like, and the producers and press are separate, but the press often controls butts and seats and butts and seats is what makes producers happy so it's a very Mm -hmm. interwoven type of thing so if in the newspaper you know or online blogs or all over social media you know this choreographer is crazy they do this 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 this. no one wants to work with them Mm -hmm. if no one's auditioning for the shows no one wants to come see the shows it just creates a whole firestorm or having protesters we talked about this Mm -hmm. having protesters outside of a broadway show not mm-hmm. what any producer wants to hear because mm-hmm. it's it's one thing if it's like in the ether of the internet but if i'm joe schmo you know bringing my kids into the city for a weekend to see a broadway show they've been yelling about for weeks and i was i was able to get some cheap tickets and we show up to the theater and there are people protesting i'm no, not, i don't want to go yeah i'm not happy and i'm gonna ask for a refund and i and you know that is so true right like you really have to think about you as a person and the way that you are perceived right like because it will come back to you because there will be people who write about you online on blogs who don't audition to your show i mean it does even happen in college think about how many of you out there who are in college or getting ready to audition for college or have in the past or maybe even some of you have kids and you're like well, I don't know about X, Y, and Z program because I've heard X, Y, and Z things about it. You've heard X, Y, and Z things about it due to some sort of a press situation. Someone wrote it down somewhere. Someone recorded something somewhere, right? It doesn't always have to mean, you know, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. It can literally mean someone made a blog post online and posted a video Uh, or a photo. And now that's all, that's it. Every year, who's who's in the top 10 music theater schools or top 10 dance programs comes out every year. Like, what are their top 10 dance programs in the country and why? Like, that is a form of press, too. Because, like I said, if those teachers and that school gets a reputation for scantily clad clothing or they only do ballet or they only do modern or they only do hip hop or whatever the case may be, those reputations are out do get out there in the ether you know that's and I say absolutely just because I think when we say press a lot of the times we think you know interview questions and cameras and 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 old school press and we're in an evolving world press can also mean social media yes yeah I was gonna say let's I want to actually talk about that for just like a little bit we've talked about social media a lot before but mm-hmm. as we continue to move on in the world, we learn more and more and more that social media and people's personal opinions on social media, that's press now yes. because that's for everyone to see. And that's honestly where a lot of people are getting information. And I will say I am guilty of that very same thing too. And it's always, and again, I, I do feel very of two minds about this because there have been times where I will like, I've literally scrolled through social media and be like, Ooh, I'm going to go to this concert. Oh, I didn't know the show opened or I didn't know I had this friend dancing in this show. I'm going to go see it, you know? And then other times, you know, I've been on the reverse yeah. of that where I'm in meetings where they're like, send us your social media stuff guys. And I'm all like, Ugh. but I'm also like, Oh yeah. Like this is how people know what I'm doing. This is how people yeah. go see the, the productions that I'm working on, the shows that I'm working on. And so yeah. it is a very double-edged sword that I think to ignore it just, it, does not suit the world that we currently live in 
Um, yeah. You're also your manner in which dealing with press. Like some people mm-hmm. are not good interviewers. And that's the thing that I think you have to have a modicum of ability to do to be in any of the professional, to be in any kind of professional light. You know, I don't need you to be the most outspoken or the most eloquent, but people remember in an interview if you're slipping up or if you're yeah you're stuttering over yourself and little things like that. Like you go a long way, especially when again you're the person we're banking the entire next season on. You yeah. know, you're you're our Sleeping Beauty. You're the lead in Sleeping Beauty at our ballet, but like you can't string two words together because you're so nervous. That's Again, that same energy it will probably mean you won't ever get cast at that cast as that. Honestly, that same yeah. type of energy and appeal, like people, and this goes kind of into the whole when you're leading a show, be it musical or dance, or you're the head of the project, you're a director or a choreographer. Like people look to you for guidance and leadership, and that doesn't go away in the press. That same type of energy has to continue going forward because. Yeah. They, to you to control everything like I do remember um years ago on Broadway the play it was a play called Speed to Plow and Jeremy Mm -hmm. Piven was going through a lot of drama and Mm -hmm. he was the lead he was a celebrity lead in the show like uh to the point where like he was not performing every night like his understudy was going on and so you had all these you know theater people in the cast theater actors in the cast and then him being a celebrity and there's like we have to carry the show because like every time we did a press junket or any kind of publicity, we were getting asked about Jeremy Piven. Like they were no longer even caring about the work we were doing every night. And they were only caring about our response to Jeremy Piven doing X, Y, and Z, and X, Y, Z, and X, Y, Z. And like, they right. had to like pull it in to like really talk about their show or even like word of mouth of a show. I know plenty of shows that have won Tony Awards off of just word of mouth because they got like the uh, pr- uh, producers hated it. Crit- yeah. Critics hated it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I agree. I just think that, you know, not only is it the quality of the work, but yeah, it's like the way that you hold yourself and perceive yourself. Um, And I think it's just like an important topic to touch upon because again, just like we talked about muscle memory, it's not something that's talked about a lot. And it's something that I think you should be made aware of when you're, you know, even in college, right? Like, because even in college, there are like college reviewers that review the college shows, right? Like people who want to do this for a living and like, that's their like assignment. And you just want to, you just want to kind of understand how to navigate that world. You do. And like I said, it's up to you. I, I don't think that it's one, if you're I think colleges and universities should offer at least a one semester course talking about dealing with it or or at least a seminar series or something. Because I just remember I was doing my internship out after college and we were doing, we had a, it was like a, it's a play festival. And then randomly one week of the play festival, they were like, it's the international play festival. I was like, what is this? And they're like, oh, we have a sister city in Scotland. So like your interview, like we picked several plays from Scotland that you guys are going to incorporate into the show. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, the playwrights from Scotland, these kids are flying into the sister city. And it's a, uh, it was a town in Florida. Um, and so mm-hmm. like, it was like, like the mayor of this town in Scotland and like the children flying to America for the first time, seeing their, you know, their plays on stage. And so all this hullabaloo, there was, pre- there were, several press people from like local state 
and then like the overseas people from the city and i'm like mm-hmm. oh so if i say something stupid they're gonna laugh i mean a, a country i've never even been to got it you know and it worked out fine it was great like i got oh i think i have like a keychain or something from that it's, it's really cool but like it's one of those things of like i just had never i was not i was woefully not prepared for that experience and I literally found out days before it was, it was, I was about to be speaking to yeah. them because I just happened to have, I was like yeah. playing like a dragon or a villain or something. I can't remember at the time, but like I was a villain in the story. So of course they were going to talk with me because it was one of the yeah. principles in the piece. So it was like, oh my gosh. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think it would be smart of college or pre-professional programs to do some sort of a semester long lecture or like open dialogue class to talk mm-hmm. about like when someone comes to review a piece and observe a piece, how do you want to look at that rehearsal or that performance? You know, if you're creating work and someone wants to do a write-up on your work, how do you go about speaking to them? Because I think like, again, like we said, like press can come in so many different forms and ways. And I think like the idea of like, there is a way to go about it and a way to do it is really important. And I'm by no means an expert. expert. I didn't have a class in it. I've had my own personal experiences and I'll I'm sure I'll continue to learn from personal experiences um but I do think that that would make sense I me too because when I think about just also like when you brought up like um when you're studying a new work and they ask you your inspirations or how you did it or how is it working Mm -hmm. with this dancer I've gotten that a lot oh how was it working with this dancer or how was it working for this company for the first time or how is it working Mm -hmm. for you know and a lot of times like I said, I'm building my career, my reputation, and this company is an established company. Like I started working with a theater company earlier this year before the world turned upside down. Um, and they just won like, a, I want to say like two or three big awards for an off-Broadway run of the show that they did like a few in like a few months mm-hmm. ago. And then it was, it was like, so they won a big award for that. And then they also won, they might've won a special Tony for 2019. Like it was something, it was just something big where like when I typed in the theater company after I'd already taken the job, I was terrible. But like all this press came up about them winning all these awards. And I was like, oh, so people are talking about this. Okay. And then like going to events for the theater company and I'm seeing several Broadway directors that I'm trying to work with are like in there being like, oh, hey, hi. And I'm like, oh, okay. So like, it's one of those things of like, you have to, it really is a thing to just know and be aware and learn mm-hmm. how to cultivate those skills. Even if you don't master it, at least learn, learn your defects. Like I, yeah. you know, if you know you're a stutterer or you get super nervous, like I know I'm a hand twitcher. So like I make sure there's nothing in my hands when I have to talk with people because I will play with it to death, you know, mm-hmm. but little, like, little things like that. I just learned from like people being like, you were fidgeting with stuff in your hand the whole time. Oh, I never knew that, you know? So mm-hmm. if you're in a position where you're running a program like this or you're taking or in, in a program like this, talk to the people running the program and be like, hey, I would love to know how that works or what to do in those type of situations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that being said, the uh, it is now time for our tip of the week. Um, and this segment is just a lovely tip that we like to give you guys uh, to brighten your week, hopefully. Um, my tip of the week is so it's the week of Christmas um, and this episode is releasing on Christmas Eve maybe slightly early um, yeah but it's I say just again enjoy enjoy the ending of a new year 2021 
hopefully does not get any worse for any of you out there. And, you know, I'm, as a performer, I've always just been that person to have to look to brighter days and better days because Mm -hmm. that's just the nature of being an artist. We want to create and see a better world. So I just Mm -hmm. say, enjoy this time with your families. It may look, you know, this holiday season may look totally different for a lot of us. Um, and that's okay. I say, think about the future, you know, look to those plans of what's coming next, you know, or how things are going to be in the future is what I would say. Um, and just, even if it's not time with family, enjoy the downtime, binge watch a new show, add a new streaming app. You know, there are so many of them at this point. I'm sure you can find you a good show to get lost in to kind of forget those holiday woes if you have them, or maybe even lift your spirit. Mm -hmm. What about you? What's your tip of the week? Uh, my tip of the week is actually going to be, I know I'm a couple weeks late on this, but I finally watched the prom on Netflix and, um, I really enjoyed it. I think they did an incredible job again, press. I know it got some mixed reviews. I actually think everyone in the cast did an incredible job. Um, I think it was well casted. I'm was super happy to realize and learn that Casey Niccolo executive produced it as well as choreographed it, which yeah. is what he the original choreography since he directed and choreographed the show on Broadway. Um, so my tip of the week would be if you really want to watch like a fun musical, go watch this on Netflix. It is fun. It is heartwarming and uplifting. And in terms of like choreography, it's, ab- I mean, we we had an episode where we talked about right, the like, I both saw it on Broadway, but the uh, choreography is absolutely incredible. And if you didn't get a chance to, yeah. If you didn't get a chance to see it on Broadway, definitely watch it. Um, yeah. And just enjoy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it for us. The curtain is closed on this episode, but we hope that you will join us next week. And every week after that. Episodes come out every Thursday. You can find us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. We are at PYT on all social media platforms. I'm your co-host, Tony Williams II. And I'm your co-host, Neil Colangelo. See you next week on Point Your Toes, The Adventures of NYC Dance.